The Blue Jays are coming to town, and we have the Zoobs from Less Than Jays to talk about them. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as a reminder, please feel free to be active in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us questions, chat with us. We'll do our best to hang out there, chat back and forth. Also, too, you can leave questions there or on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked On Twins. DMs are open. And finally, don't forget to check out Locked On Twins' breathless post-game minutes ASAP after each game. We'll do some pre-games, too, with the lineup and all that if there's enough interest. The Jays and Twins meet up at Target Field on Friday, 7.10 p.m. Looks like it's going to be Louis Varland against Kevin Gaussman. Twins are going to get probably the best of what the Jays have to offer. You can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast and all their broadcasts with Corey and Danny with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just make sure that you search for Twins. And I am elated to bring in the Zoobs, Andrew Zuber from Less Than Jays. What's going on, man? How are we doing? Oh, boy. It's uh, it's quite a time to be talking Blue Jays baseball. I feel I'm very excited to talk about this. Excited to be talking about the Blue Jays facing a team not in the American League East. It's been a rough couple weeks. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and as we're recording this, it appears as though the Jays are headed home after dropping three of four to the Rays, including not that long ago, if you are listening, early Thursday or mid-Thursday afternoon, as it were. And outside of the 20-to-1 drubbing, these Jays are two and, what are they, two and nine in their last 11, one and seven in their last eight. I'd have to look up their run differential, though, because I bet over that span it's a lot closer than people <laughs> might think. Um, before we get to any of that, though, I want to ask you about Less Than Jays. What sure. uh, I, I listened to the last episode, I believe the Jays were coming off the Yankees series, which was uh, three of four dropped to the other guys from the AL East, and three straight series against the AL East. That stretch of what was a two and nine, if my math one was and, correct, one and nine over ten games. So yeah, has it been? Um, it, it's uh, that was all AL East teams. So uh, particularly demoralizing stretch. But besides that, still twenty six and twenty five, which would be uh, I think first place in the Central, but is not decidedly <laughs> not East, yeah. yeah decidedly not first place <laughs> in the East. Uh, but let's talk about less than Jays. You guys were talking about the Yankees series. I found that very enjoyable. Enjoyable. Uh, how often do you guys record? How did that start? Uh, yeah, it started a, a, a long time ago. My co-host Jake Goldsby and I, um, a minor Canadian celebrity, don't want to out him. He was on Degrassi. Um, not everybody up here in Canada was on Degrassi, but Jake was. Uh, he's an actor. I was a, a, a comic at the time, and we were both working in sports media. Uh, it was a different show called Sportsfeld at the time. We were a lot more um, overall sports focused. And in the last couple of years, um, the Blue Jays have really, for for myself especially, um, it's always been number one. And just sort of, we noticed that our audience was very uh, connected to our baseball content. So we made the move to go pure Blue Jays. We're having a ton of fun. It's a voice of the fan. Um, 
we're both no longer in sports media. It's now just sort of this thing we do to, to get our frustrations out and to um, talk to the audiences that we've managed to compile over the years of the different places we've been around. So it's us having fun. It's a lot of mailbag segments. We do uh, we yep. do a voicemail. We we um, we have a lot of fun. We're trying to trying to be sort of the voice of the community. As there's a lot of um, more corporate sort of suit and tie places up here that are very reasonable. We like to cater to the people that are not tied to winning the most reasonable fan awards. So we let it fly. Yeah, we do three segments, the opener, the bullpen, and the seventh inning stretch. Seventh inning stretch usually is the voice of the fan, but we're going to listen to you, the voice of the fan, Blue Jays-wise. <laughs> How does your Blue Jays fandom evolve? How did it come to be? How has it changed over the years? Yeah, well, I was uh, I don't want to date myself, but I think you couldn't pick a better time for the team that you like to win it all than being seven and eight years old. I was seven, <laughs> 1992. I was eight, ni- 1993. Mm-hmm. You're just sort of coming into figuring out what sports are and learning players' names. They win the World Series both of the two years. You're, a, you're grade three and four. It's one of those things that locks you in for life. I lived in Toronto um, right down the street from the stadium throughout um, the 2010s. Uh, I was a season ticket holder uh, 2015, 2014. Um, just somebody that was, it's always been my number one. It's, it's my favorite, my favorite thing to do is spend that time watching baseball. I think it's, uh, it's just the best sport to me. It's number one. So, um, you know, living in Ontario here, the Blue Jays are ever present. They're on every day, you know, you're going to catch the game. So, um, it's been a love affair since as long as I can remember. So my story is about the opposite. I picked the worst time to watch the Twins. I was seven in 1993. So actually people of a certain age, you and I. <laughs> And people may not know that the obviously the 91 Twins won the World Series leading right into the Jays. And in fact, I believe the 91 team beat the Jays in the ALCS. So that was a nice three-year run for the Jays. Then the strike hit and everything kind of changed. Um, but 93 was not a good year to start because that was the beginning of a stretch of, let's see, 93 to 2000. So eight seasons in a row of sub-500 ball. Uh yeah, I cut my teeth on some pretty bad Twins teams, although thank you for Paul Molitor and to some extent <laughs> Dave Winfield, both Minnesota boys coming home that spent some time in Toronto. In fact, weren't they the back-to-back DHs of those uh, world championship teams, if I'm not mistaken? That is correct. That 1993 team um, sometimes gets forgotten in the highest payroll in baseball. They added Paul Molitor. They added Ricky Henderson to the trade deadline. Um, you look back at it, it's like, wow, this team was stacked. They finished 1-2-3 in, uh, in batting average with Olerud uh, and Alomar and Carter. Um, a really I- incredible team that sort of had a little bit of everything. And yeah, Paul Molitor... For a, a guy who comes in and plays one year, you really can't do much better than Paul Molitor in Toronto. Comes in, World Series MVP, um, our special guy that has a special place in the hearts of Toronto fans that comes and gets his standing ovation when he comes by as a manager. Yeah, my contention is that John Olerud is maybe the most underrated player of that era. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Um, he's basically the Joe Mauer of that era in the sense that he could get on base, batting average, uh, good defender. Obviously played different positions for the bulk of their career but a dang good player. And uh, my favorite thing about those teams was Juan Guzman and the the blue glove that he would wear when he was pitching. <laughs> yeah. um, I had a 90s podcast up until a while ago, and we were trying to get Todd Stottlemyre on, which would have been a lot of fun too, but we didn't quite get to that point. We did have Paul Molitor on too, which uh, obviously he managed the Twins when I covered the Twins, so we had a little bit of a rapport there. But um, yeah, you know, the 90s hold a very special place in my heart. I think the game evolved so much from the early 90s to the late 90s that that's why 
having a 90s baseball podcast was such a uh, an interesting thing for me. Also, too, I got Greg Olson, who was the closer for the Orioles, to be the co-host. So oh, cool. pretty natural fit there. Yeah, and yeah. he had some connections. So we had some big names. We had some not-so-big names. And I think I'm going to try to reboot it because I got a connection to Bob Hamlin, and we're going to try to get Bob Hamlin on there, which uh, is pretty exciting. Um, I want to ask you a very blatant, obvious question. But you know what? I'm going to read our first spot because we might get carried away with this next one. So our first one today is bird dogs. And so I had my first order from bird dogs recently, uh, fit comfortability, versatility. These are shorts and pants that you can wear on the golf course to church. In my instance, uh, out hanging out at a bar with your buddy sitting on the patio. Uh, they fit perfectly. They're awesome. I should say though, my first order came in or a little small. So I sent them back to get bigger ones and the customer service could not have been better. So these are absolutely phenomenal. A whole bunch of people you know, Bert Kreischer, part of my take host, PFT commenter, always wears these. So they are comfortable there. They look good, all that fun stuff. So if, you, uh, if you're if you interested, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bert Dog style, uh, Yeti style tumbler with every order. I, I had it with me here and then I left it someplace, but very nice tumbler. And then, uh, you know, we've got the bird dogs. Fabulous. Awesome product. I cannot emphasize it enough. And the names are hilarious. I'm not going to say them on the air because I don't <laughs> want to get the FCC on my case, but they will have you laughing. Uh, so the question I <laughs> wanted to ask, uh, these teams come in virtually identical, 26 and 25. In fact, the Jays before Thursday's game had an identical record as the Twins, 26 and 24. Uh, and then they lose to the Rays, which is not an uncommon thing this season, but beating around the bush a little bit. Are the Blue Jays hashtag good? Oh, boy. This is, this is, the, this is the question of the day. Uh, yeah. You picked the great time to ask it because if you would ask this, 10 games ago the record is 10 games better it's it's hard to say good is a really relative thing i think you sort of talk about it there is they have the same record as the twins you can look at it one of two ways you can say this is a team that's first place in some other divisions this is a team that's fifth place in the division they're in uh i do think overall they are a good team they have had very good pitching for the most part manoa has backslid quite a bit and, and kikuchi this shine is coming off there a little bit but gosman's been very good bassett's been very good Rios is turning it around a little bit. Um, they're on they're on the track to to and they play good baseball, right? They, they sort of um, are very capable of being good at the current moment. They are certainly not good. Um, are they good in the grand scheme of the thirty two the thirty pardon me thirty teams of baseball? Yes, yes, they are good in comparison to the league as whole. Are they good enough than where they need to be in the American League East? That one remains to be seen. Yeah, when I look at the landscape of the AL on the whole. Uh, a lot of fans get obsessed with the idea that the Twins have a gauntlet coming up record-wise, but I don't look at this AL as uh, any of these teams are insurmountable forces. The Yankees, the Twins already won the season series from the Yankees, and if anybody knows the history of that series, that is a big deal. But they're done with the Yankees. And also, too, this is what's so funny. You look at, and we love roster resource. I use this on every single show. Playoff odds for the Blue Jays, 5.7% to win the division, but 48.1% to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, in the AL Central, every team is like X percent 
to win the division and then X plus 2% to make the playoffs because there is an absolute zero chance that a wild card team is coming out of the central. So the gap here, the Orioles, 5.5% to win the division, 46.3% to make the playoffs. Uh, even the Red Sox, 1.2% in 21.5%. That gorge, that gap is huge. But from what you've seen from the Rays, uh, and I guess I don't know if you've seen the Orioles yet, but there's really yes. nobody that's insurmountable in the AL this year, if you ask me. Certainly not. Everybody has flaws. You can call it parity. You can call it a talent influx. Uh, everybody has flaws. Everybody has strengths. It's going to come down to timing. It's going to come down to how long are your runs, both positive and negative. I think that's what's really important for the Jays right now is it's a negative run. You got to find a way to stem this because with the, with the schedule being a little more balanced, with having less games against the American League East, um, those opportunities to to claw back into this are going to be a little more limited than they may have been um, not too long ago. So they're going to have to be careful in that sense. It is certainly not pretty uh, right now. So when you guys were talking about the Jays post Yankee series. It seemed as though you were down on the offense. When I look at the offense across the landscape right now, third and average, fifth and on base, and these are coming into today, not the end of today, so do not count the final game of the race series. Tenth in OPS, tenth in runs, 14th in homers, and sixth in steals. That's MLB-wide, not AL. So you see a pretty good offense and then a pretty average pitching staff, while the Twins will come in with a very good starting staff. Bullpen is it's hit or miss. And then the offense has been just absolute dog water. Um <laughs> Which is weird because you look at the talent on the Twins offense and you're like, that should not be a bad offense. But Jose Miranda got off to a terrible start. Byron Buxton's been hot or cold. Carlos Correa's been MIA. Um, you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it feels like maybe that happened for the Blue Jays in the sense that um, – and, and maybe those numbers got spiked from that 20-run 20, 20 or 21 game, if you want to use the score. Uh, where, where do you stand with this offense right now? It's – not been good again. Again, it's you're picking such an interesting time to interview me about this because it's <laughs> the vibes could not possibly be lower. They're really struggling with runners in scoring position. Um, it's a bit of a Rorschach test of like, do you really believe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not going to hit a home run at home all year long? True, it's been very interesting because it really has been the, the lineup can sort of be divided in this very clear line. Like Matt Chapman in April was unbelievable, he was. He was unbelievable. He hit like 400. He was the player of the month in April. His WRC plus in May has been in like the 40s. Uh, Bo Bichette has, has continued a hot end of last year into a very good start this year. He's been very good. Maybe we'll lead the American League in hits for a third straight year. We'll see. Vlad has been hitting the ball hard, but not hitting it in the air. And Kevin Kiermeyer has been a great ad. He's leading the team in OPS and, and really getting it done at the bottom of the lineup. The problem is Alejandro Kirk has really fallen off. Uh, they're getting nothing from the Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, second base platoon. Their bench is really thin. I think part of the problem with the offense is there really isn't any matchup ability. They have the A lineup, and that's about it. There's nobody coming off the bench you have to worry about. There's nobody subbing in you have to worry about. Um, so so the, the guys that haven't been red hot have really not helped at all. George Springer is coming out of um, a, a big-time slump to start the year. He's sort of turned it around, but that's about it. And I think another reason that maybe myself and – you listened last week and a lot of Jays fans you may see on the periphery are so down in the lineup is they traded away 
two and a half, three very big pieces this offseason. To get Varsho, they traded Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and the top prospect, Gabriel Moreno. Both of those guys are raking right now. Gurriel has been unbelievable in the last month. He is really driving Arizona's entire offense. And Teoscar Hernandez, they traded for a reliever, which is it's just, just in general bad practice. I, I have a fun story about that reliever, by the way. Eric Swanson. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to derail you, but we'll get to it later. Yeah, absolutely. That is one where you know Blue Jays fans, you get a little attached to your own guys, but he has been a middle of the lineup, thirty home run guy that you have been able to put behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and put behind Bo Bichette and be a guy that can hit cleanup and drive in your runs and hit for power. And now they're getting on base. They are hitting. It's a new approach. They're not. They're not hitting for power in the way that they were in previous years. And you want to say they haven't really been blowing teams out. They did just score 20 runs, uh, but 10 of them were off of position players. I do want to say 10 of those were off position players. 11 of those hits were off position players, but still outside of that outburst, they really haven't been very good with runners in scoring position. They have really struggled in extra base hits. They are really um, getting themselves into opportunities to win games. And part of what's been so frustrating in this last little stretch is they've had opportunities to win basically every single one of those games. They've had, Tying runs, go-ahead runs at the plate, um, opportunities with bases loaded, two runners on, nobody outs, and not cashing them in. So that's what's been so frustrating um, is the part of it lately. So, yeah, I think I think part of it is, is you're sort of seeing the flash of what they could be and what they should be in a lot of people's minds, and that is where the frustration around the offense is coming from right now. Yeah, the Twins are in a weird spot when it comes to uh, runners in scoring position versus uh, bases loaded. So I don't know if you're aware, but... Bases loaded. Okay, so since 1974, 40 is that that's 50 years. My goodness, a long time. <laughs> um, they have the worst OPS in MLB history with the bases loaded. It's like three fun series. <laughs> However, they have like the number three OPS with runners in scoring position. How those two things can coexist? No idea. They're like an 880 OPS with runners in scoring position, but a three something with them loaded. To me, that means first base is the pivot point. And that's a Luis, the curse of Luis arise singles King. (laughs) So with first base occupied, the twins are completely without redeeming value this season. But with that said, it it is what it is. Yeah. I'm looking over the main numbers for the blue Jays. Bo Bichette, very solid Chapman, 575 OPS this month. That does include this Thursday's, Thursday's game, so it's it's up to the minute accurate. Uh, Springer, decent. Whit Merrifield kind of doing the Whit Merrifield thing. Uh, Vladdy, decent. Kiermaier with a 941 OPS. So strong there. Um, and then Brandon Belt, too, over over 1,000 OPS. I thought he'd be game for a pretty big bounce back if he could stay healthy, which was the issue in San Francisco. But in general, a 763 OPS for this offense. I'd be curious to see if you subtracted that Rays game what that would come out to. And I think those runs of fair portion of them were scored off Luke Rayleigh, if I'm not mistaken, who yes. was very briefly a uh, twins prospect came over. Did he come over? Or did he go back in the Kent Maeda deal? I think he might've went back to, to the Dodgers in the Kent Maeda deal. And then eventually found his way with the Rays. But what an, what an unusual game too. The Rays have been just absolutely blazing hot all season long. And to have that happen, um, what must have been a fun night? Let's just say that. Yeah, it was cathartic. It was cathartic given everything that came before it. So my Eric Swanson story is that he is married to a girl from my high school 
my northern Minnesota, I grew up 10 miles from Canada, but in, near Manitoba, <laughs> uh, about 100 miles from Winnipeg. Uh, you maybe can hear it in my voice. Um, a touch, a touch. But her name was Madison Milner, now Madison Swanson. And I was actually the student aide slash teacher for her gym class because she was in my brother's class in, I think they were in fourth grade and I was a senior in high school. So I know Eric Swanson's wife, which is completely bananas, right? Wow. So yeah, so that's my story. Um, are you still, before we get to the last segment and the fun segment, the fun one for me anyhow, uh, <laughs> are you still down on the bottom of this order and especially the bench? Because you guys were like all in on, especially the bench, maybe the bottom of the order was me kind of listening to you guys saying if someone gets hurt, it's a complete black hole. But it still seemed like you guys were pretty down on everybody beneath like the number five spot. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a, a real lack of depth. There is no there's no prospect um, you're looking to break through. That was Moreno. He has been shipped out. There mm-hmm. is nobody knocking on the door in AAA. There's there's nobody coming to save them. I think is sort of the the feeling that we have. And we're a little bit I don't want to say dooms a little bit um, worst case scenario thinkers sometimes, but. It, it, you know they have some they have some very good players it's just that there's really nobody um that you can look at to say here's the easy solve and you know this time of year the trade market isn't there yet um the, the free agent market is is barren because you're in the middle of the year and anybody you mm-hmm. sign is going to take them a month to get ready anyway there's just not a lot of room for error here and right on cue last last night uh danny jansen that one of the 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 one a one b catchers uh, has a groin injury. We'll we'll see mm-hmm. if he misses time, but catcher is not a position you can sort of wait and see on, and it's not a groin injury is not one that you want your catcher to have. Yeah, it, it's it's troubling because we knew this was going to be a problem coming into the coming into the season. The there is no fourth outfielder. The fourth outfielder is Whit Merrifield. The fourth outfielder is Kevin Biggio. The fourth outfielder is second baseman move to the outfield, and it's just not what you want. And when you deal away two outfielders in the offseason, you sort of set yourself up for this kind of trouble. Yep. It's a very hard spot to fill. Are you promising a free agent fourth outfielder at bats? Are you making a deal for a team for a fourth outfielder? It's a tough thing, and, and it was sort of identifiable as a weakness. And when you have Kevin Kiermeyer as good as he's played, and George Springer as your two of your three outfielders, those guys have had injury issues the last four, five years in a row. Like, I don't think Kiermeyer's played a full season since, like, 2017 so you're playing with fire and if they go down an outfielder you're looking at a lot of guys who shouldn't be playing corner outfield playing corner outfield so it's more of a big bright light that this could go wrong versus you know it's not what's damning them right now for sure uh i want to ask you about vladdy's health but before we do that i want to talk about rocket money um we all have subscriptions that we forget about this will help you cancel them whether it's you know, you forgot about them and they've been billing you regularly or it's something you may not even remember that you signed up for as a trial and forgot to go back to. It's a personal finance app that will find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions. It'll monitor your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Zoobs, I imagine that would be helpful to you just like it is to me. Yes, you can better believe it. it- <laughs> yes. So stop throwing your money away, especially you, Zoobs. No, I'm kidding. Um, cancel <laughs> unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. And one more time for good measure, rocketmoney.com slash MLB. So natural segue before we get to that, the Twins play the Blue Jays again on Friday, Target Field, 7, 10 p.m., 
Louis Varlin, the hometown boy against Kevin Gaussman. I think the Twins have had some success against Gaussman in the semi-recent past, but we'll see what happens there. You can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with Corey Provis and Dan Gladden with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. And we also have a commercial touting Locked On Twins on SiriusXM on that channel. So listen for that as well. So our, our final segment is one that I'm very excited about because I grew up cutting my teeth on the 1997 to late 90s, early 2000s pro wrestling. So um, we're going to compare Blue Jays to wrestlers. Now, <laughs> I want to ask you, first of all, though, because Vladdy's my first guy, how is he health-wise? Because I know he had that little hiccup a uh, few days ago. I don't know, what, four or five days ago? Is he 100%? Is he missing time? How's that going for him? Seems like he's been okay. Just just missed two games with um, sort of coming up lame, catching a pop-up. In, in the grand scheme, he's had incredible health. I think he's missed four games in the last three years, basically since 2020, hasn't missed any time. Those concerns about um, the body shape holding up haven't really been founded in much. Um, he hasn't hit for a ton of power this year. He hit an absolute tank job off of a position player uh, two days ago, which is great. He hit a batting practice home run. Uh, but his his power has been what's concerning fans this year. He's hitting the ball hard. When it comes to Vladdy, it's always about launch angle. But health-wise, he seems to be doing uh, just fine. That scare uh, seems to have passed. So we're talking about wrestling guys from 1997 to 1999. And uh, the first one I got to ask you about is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I want to get out in front of this. I think he's the giant slash the big show because um, hypothetically, when the giant started in 95, his dad was Andre the Giant. So why wouldn't this big (laughs) guy that that. just (laughs) took over the league right away, why wouldn't Vladimir Guerrero Jr. be Paul White, the big show slash the giant slash whatever? What do you got? I I have The Rock uh, for – Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, second generation as well as Rocky Johnson wasn't yep. quite under the giant, wasn't quite the star, the Hall of Famer that um, you know that Vlad's dad is. Although I, I think Rocky Johnson might be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. But I think when you look at Vlad and especially when he first broke into the league, you have that look at The Rock where it's like, hey, this guy could be one of the most famous people in the world one day, right? This could be yep. one of the guys who is a few years down the line, ten years down the line, we go, whoa. Can you believe Vlad used to be this? Can you believe The Rock used to be a wrestler? He's a super duper star. I, I see that as Vlad, and he is the guy that we're sort of building uh, the entire federation around, if you will. Yep. How about Bo Bichette? Because I'm thinking Dean Malenko. Again, second generation, maybe even third. I can't remember. But um, we may not appreciate how good this person is because they you know, may be overshadowed by someone else or may just be so consistently good that they just kind of keep on keeping on. What do you got for Boba Shed? I didn't give you a list ahead of time, so I'm really no, putting no. on this. Spot. But I mean, this is this is not this is right up my alley. And yeah, and, uh, I would have I have Bo as more of a more of like a late '90s Chris Jericho. Okay, where to your point, very similarly, not everybody was watching uh, WCW and the mid card and the um the cruiserweights but he was so good that if you were watching it you're like it sort of insists upon itself that he's he's so good and yet there are still people that at that time would be like okay but he can't do this he's not he's not big enough he's not this or that with Bo it's very similar it's you look at you're looking at three years of stats you're like this guy leads the league and hits every year he can hit for power he plays shortstop he's a five win shortstop and yet it's pretty easy to find fans here that are like yeah but he's not a plus plus glove at shortstop 
and he goes cold and the 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 great seasons he had has months of him not being great um but i think at the end of the day you're going to sit there and go man he did a lot of really great things similar to jericho how about george springer i don't have one immediately coming to mind i i, I think i might have one as i kind of hear what you say but george springer george springer um george springer that's an interesting one see i was <laughs> I don't know if I, I was thinking like Triple H because of the injuries, mm-hmm. you know, like a guy who's been around for a long time, um, has had two different identities, obviously Astros and Jays with trips. It was the DX and now the corporate suit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Springer is a world champion. Trips was a champion many times over. Uh, I don't think Springer married uh jim crane's daughter but we'll we'll uh have to check on that but yeah um, yeah i have a couple inklings on this i almost feel like it has to be somebody that jumped shit from one to the other right it almost has to be somebody that like went from one to the other maybe scott hall i was thinking one of the outsiders or eddie guerrero but i would think maybe i just had the lie cheat steal with the or with the astros (laughs) uh close to mind but i i would say scott hall is is a good one because you're like this guy is a could be an all-around all-world mvp caliber star but can't really get out of his own way in terms of health or the demons that Scott Hall had. But you see him, especially young Scott Hall, you're like, holy geez, this guy's an absolute diamond in the rough, absolute star in the making. Matt Chapman is my next one. Matt Chapman. I think like I have him closer to a Dean Malenko or like okay. somebody who has a very specific thing that they are so great at. And, and Dean Malenko's technical wrestling, Matt Chapman's defense, you're like, this dude is undeniably somebody who doesn't know baseball could watch ground balls get hit to Matt Chapman and know he was great at it. And then the rest of the package can hot and cold. Lest we forget, Dean Malenko at one point for one night was as over as it can be. Dean Malenko winning the, winning the Battle Royal as Cyclope um, is as big as a pop can get for the WCW Cruiserweights when Matt Chapman is hitting well as he was in April. He's about as complete a player as you can have. So I'll take the Matt Chapman, Dean Malenko right there. Yeah, I think that was Havoc 97, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not we sure, can, though. Might not have could, been. Um, We could do a whole day, you and I. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Biggio, to me, is David Flair. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I was going to go with Eric Watts, but Eric Watts' dad wasn't that big of a deal, whereas Kevin Biggio's dad was. <laughs> um, Got to be David Flair. Uh, <sighs> you know, he started out okay. And Flair didn't, so it's not perfect. I saw a, a gif of him against El Dandy, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Yes, I but, saw that the other day as well. Oh, that was absolutely horrible. Um, pretty soon, Kevin Biggio is going to start wearing, like, uh, make it look like he's got bags around his eyes and carrying a crowbar <laughs> because uh, it's not good. It's not good. But that's where I go with Kevin Biggio. I think you're. I think you're. In the, you're definitely right on the right track. I would do something like that. Somebody that you're like, oh, but there could be something here, and then very quickly they're like, there is nothing here. Although I will say, most Jays fans you will talk to, we are totally prepared for the Kevin Biggio goes to the Rays in history. Yep. We're yep. totally ready for it. The Kevin Biggio, uh, starting second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, who hits 300. <laughs> How about Jose Barrios? You know I got to go there because former twin. Troubled troubled this is troubled for us because the jose barrios that we know and the jose barrios yep. that you know yeah are probably two completely different people right yep. so i almost feel like i almost feel like we're getting wcw bret hart and you yep. guys got oh that's perfect that's perfect where it's like man this guy is like he makes everybody look great he's the best and then we get him and he fights goldberg and he's out and we're like what do you what do you even talk 
NWO Silver? What, what is this? Yeah. What, what's going on? 2000 was horrible, and then he retired. Um, Whit Merrifield, to me, is Bobby Eaton. Uh, he's just kind of mm. getting by at the end here, but could do a little bit of everything and make everybody else look good. Uh, yeah. He was a good player that never really got his uh, his due. Maybe even like a, a Brad Armstrong, where real sto- solid, but now he's in his buzzkill days, which is um, not good. Yeah, I think you're right on there as a, a guy that you sort of you oh you want on the card, you want him in the matches, you want him there, mm-hmm. but you're not you're not strapping him up, you're not putting the title on him. How about Alec Manoa? I got just a couple more, and then we'll let you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, Alec Manoa. This is kind of gonna be like someone who was a big deal and then fell off pretty fast. I mean, yeah, it's, I and mean, could still get there again, but just isn't right now. He might be. He might be Kane. Where okay. when, when Kane first shows up, you're like, holy, who is this guy? Like Alec yeah. Manoa shows up, enormous dude, really fiery. They had a really laid back team the last couple of years. This mm-hmm. is a dude that took it capital S seriously. And then, you know, now Kane is almost a novelty act by the, by the end of it. Um, yeah. And like, you know, hugging it out and, and not nearly the same guy that's tearing the roof off the cell. So maybe <laughs> maybe Kane is my pick there. We'll see if he gets into conservative politics after he's done. I, <laughs> I have my doubts. Um, two more. Dalton Varsho. Ooh. Dalton this is going to be a second-generation one, too. Um, you know, one where we think pretty good, should be good, but um, there's one small piece missing. And I think a lot of people – maybe it's like his promos. You know, you have like – Yeah, yeah. You know, who is the best wrestler that could never cut a promo? And like uh Storm? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Um, or like, was, or like a, Perry Saturn, like a Chavo or Perry Saturn. Yeah, Perry Saturn was amazing. I'd go with Perry. That's a good one. I was thinking Perry Saturn because like you'll run into people who are like, man, Perry Saturn is unbelievable, and then somebody else will view it and be like, I'm not getting it from this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you know he lives in Minnesota? I did not. Well, so he disappeared. He got he got like stabbed in the back doing some like I think he was saving someone from being assaulted. And then he disappeared, and people were like, um, hopefully he's not dead because we don't know. And then he just turns up working in a door factory in, like, Albert Lee, Minnesota, like this tiny little town in southern Minnesota. So just craziest story ever. But, um, yeah, there's a picture of him, like, with a big tattoo on his eye, Mike Tyson style, and, like, he's got a stepdaughter going to prom or something. The picture's about 15 years old now. But um, life has not been good to Perry Saturn uh, after wrestling. Uh, last one, manager, John Schneider. I think you got to go with a manager here, right? John Schneider is an interesting one because we don't we don't really know if John Schneider is a good manager yet. We don't really know. Um, so it's not Jim Cornette then. I don't think he's Jim Cornette. It, this this is a tough one. He it's a tough it's a tough callery to to find here. Is there somebody that was sort of a, maybe maybe even like early Shane McMahon where he was still like special guest refereeing and we weren't quite sure how we felt about him and one night he's helping stone cold the other day he's leading the corporate ministry we're still not quite sure it's it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a tough one john Schneider is hard to, he's a he's a hot button topic right now among, he, among the fans he could be teddy long like fat teddy long bringing ice cream <laughs> to the ring and and jim powers to, to yeah. get jim powers just absolutely knocked out by whoever <laughs> impressive specimen but um just absolutely horrible uh as a wrestler, like he never won anything. Um, so that's who I'm going with. I think I'm going to go with fat Teddy long. Uh, Cause Teddy was good, but he needed some time to become Teddy. So 
I don't know. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to run through my little spiel here at the end, and we'll let you go. With that said, that's a wrap for Locked On Twins. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow our friend Andrew Zuber here at the Zub Z U B E S. If you aren't watching on YouTube, at Locked On Twins at Brandon underscore Warren again. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, make sure to check back. I'm going to have a recap of the last series and maybe look forward to some of the pitching matchups against Toronto. Maybe a little later tonight. Subscribe, like, give us a five star rating on whatever platform you're listening on or watching. And hang out in the comment section. Send me some questions for the seventh inning stretch, the voice of the fan. Otherwise, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much to Andrew Zuber at the Zoobs. Uh, we'll have to have you on again next time they play. Anytime. My pleasure. Yeah, forget about Blake Murphy. He, uh, we'll just we'll just <laughs> sidestep him. That's who uh, He's a man about town in Toronto, though. So um, thank you so much. And uh, make sure to stop by tomorrow if you are an everydayer. Otherwise, that's all I got for you. Have a good one.